0: Welcome to this Innovation Forum webinar, the latest in our Voices from the Farm series. I mean, well, i will be hosting for the next hour or so. So undoubtedly farmers, farmers are at the core of sustainable commodities production. However, often, all too often, they are not given a seat at the table. Ahead of our uh, Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Conference coming up in Amsterdam on the 1st and 2nd, of uh, November. Today, an online panel of farmers from across the globe will discuss some of the challenges that they have faced, their priorities, and some practical examples of initiatives that have benefited them and their communities. Okay, well, I'm delighted that just joining us, uh, we have Kule Francis Baita, who's a coffee and fruit farmer uh, and the board secretary of the Bok Onzo Organic Cooperative Union in Uganda. Welcome to you, sir. Uh, We also have Ashirafu Kiongozi, a sunflower and soybean farmer, and project training lead for the Clinton Development Initiative in Tanzania. And we have George Bianchiotto, a crop farmer and on the board of the Sociedad Rural do Parm Pergamino, apologies, in Argentina. Welcome to you, George. Okay, we have some, uh, we're gonna run through a few opening remarks um, from our, with our panel, but do be uh, thinking of your questions. We're using the Q&A function um, on on Zoom, so put your questions in there uh, and I'll put them through our panel as we go. Please do add your name and organisation though when you do so. And uh, many thanks to the Clinton Foundation, RSPO, Fair Trade and the National Farmers Union for helping bring today's uh, participants together with us all today. We had also hoped to be joined by Stephen Lansana, a palm oil farmer in Sierra Leone but very sadly he was involved in a road accident earlier today and has had to go and seek some medical assistance. So our very best wishes go to him for speedy recovery. Okay. Welcome, panel. Let me start with you, George, then. Why don't you give us a little bit of introduction as to um, where you are and, and how you farm and some of the
1: challenges that you're facing right now. George. Well, good morning to everyone. Um, we farm in Argentina, we have a farming operation of about 3,000 hectares, part of it owned and some on rented land. And we mainly do agriculture. We've been in no-till since 1994, and we have between 11 and 13 crops. We're trying to keep the soil green all year round. We have enough millimeters to do that. Not nowadays because it's been very dry, and that's one of the the challenges we've been having these last two years. It's been very dry here. We had 750 millimeters instead of 1,100. That is the average here, and um, and. Uh, other big challenge for us is the, the instability of the economy, Argentinian economy, and that's, things change very fast and you can never get a sleep here because things happen very fast and you can get out of the game if you don't react properly and quickly.
0: OK, thank you. Um, thanks very much indeed. Uh, let me turn to you, Kule uh, Francis. Uh, welcome. Um, perhaps you can give us a little bit of introduction to, to your farm and some of the challenges that you're facing right now.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, nice being here, nice being part of this discussion. I'm um, Kule Francis Baita, uh, a coffee farmer from uh, Uganda, and uh, I'm representing uh, a, a coffee cooperative union called the Bukonzo Organic Farmers Cooperative Union. It's uh, a union of 13 primary societies and all in all are doing coffee. Basically we do wet processed coffee and uh, at the moment we have around 3,000 smallholder farmers on the slopes of Mount Renzori in Western Uganda. Well, a few things is that uh, our coffee is organically certified and a fair trade certified. The union has been existing since 2019. And uh, we have, as a union, we are growing. Uh, some of the key challenges that uh, we are facing as farmers, especially referring to myself, a small holder, I only have uh, coffee at a tune of uh, 1.5 acres. Rest of my farmers have two acres, one acre, half acre. So we are really smallholder farmers. Well, some of the challenges we are facing is that uh, when it comes to current issues of drought, it's becoming a very big challenge to outdoor farms. You find that the flowers on the coffee are dropping that means the productivity will go down. In most cases, we are getting this drought two times in a year because Uganda has two cropping seasons. So the good seasons also are followed by the bad seasons. So the challenge is a very big challenge for the farmers. The other big challenge we're also facing is the issue to do with the pricing. Well, we as a smallholder farmers selling through a cooperative and then, then, then the structure takes us to a cooperative union, it creates kind of a, a long chain. We are, we are organized into micro washing stations, then we do our coffee up to a primary society. Then the coffee leaves the primary state; it goes to the cooperative union. So the chain is long. And what happens is that we never know what is the price on the world market. So issues are that for us as as smallholder farmers, when we come to the general assembly, it's when we hear about the price changes. And we understand that uh, technology is on now, you can access. But biggest percentage of farmers don't even have smartphones. So it's a very big challenge. So, these are prices we can only be told by our union or primary societies when the price has really changed. So, there's that time lag when price is announced. We are also facing a big challenge on uh, the multinationals now. We are investing highly into The coffee industry, so when you hear about the multinationals, we get challenged because they come with big funds and uh, they push our small cooperatives out of the market. For them they're able to access uh, credit from different banks to us as primary cooperatives, it's a very big dream to access banks. So these are some of the challenges that I can give at this time. Thank you.
0: No, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm hearing from both George and Cooley-Francis certainly climate change type challenges really to the fore as well as the others that you mentioned just now, uh, the uh, pricing fluctuations, access to finance uh, as well. Thank you. There's loads you can come back to. Uh, Just a reminder to our audience, thank you for joining us. Do use the Q&A function to write your questions. We will put them to our, I will put them to our panel as we go. We use the Q&A function to, uh, for your questions and I will put them to our, our, our panelists. And a reminder also that we are recording the session. Uh, so we will be uh, sending it to everyone who uh, signed up for the webinar. We'll be sending recording on audio and video. So you can share that with your colleagues uh, um, later on or at your leisure. Okay, um, Ashurafu uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for your patience. Perhaps you can introduce yourself uh, and give us a little bit about some of the challenges that you're facing um, in Tanzania.
3: Okay, my name is Yashafu Kiongosi. I live at Imlandege of Tanzania of Uringa region in Tanzania. I have worked the Clinton Foundation with three years now. I we are we are 106 of, of half farmers in Ringa. The challenge is first in this year, first year of challenge availability of market to soybeans. This season, the, farm, the farmer gets prices are uh, low to of uh, last year. <clears throat> uh, increase of crop production of crop, increase of crop due to the, the decline of, uh, due to the rise of uh, input prices, especially fertilizer. Uh, weather changes will be rain on onset. The almost started in mid January, where for other normally started season started to December. Therefore, affected the growth and generally a productivity on crop this year. <clears throat> the, changes, the challenges first year ahead are availability and accessibility input. Specificary seeds and fertilizer, increase of input prices, example seeds, pesticide and fertilizer, uh, Unpredicted un- un- marketing for our crops. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Adich. So what I'm hearing from you is that um, you're you know, you're looking for better inputs for, for for at the start of the process, better seeds, and also other other inputs into the farm. And your challenge is, is it around, or one of your challenges around seeking uh, better input. So, well, thank you very much indeed. So, let's think a bit about um, priorities then. Uh, priorities looking forward. So, so George, what are the priorities for for the future for you, for your farm, and for your family?
1: Well, one of our, our main priorities is keep the soil health and we we have a, a lot of long-term trials. We've been studying the soil in a no-till environment and trying to find the best way to, to capture more carbon and, and have healthier soils so that we will be more resilient with all this climate change. And, Most of our efforts are centered on that. And also we are trying to, we have a lot of information and we we are trying to make a startup about soil health because we think we have a a lot of information. We joined the scientists and and farmers and we will probably start a startup about soil health with solutions. Um, And uh, other of the, the challenges is how to involve the next generation in farming. Although Argentina has the youngest farmers average, because here we have like corporations, we have some bigger scale farms. So we can adopt maybe more technology. And I think technology will attract young, young people. And also, we need to give them a sense of purpose, because if not, I, I, well, I receive a lot of visits from from other countries in the farm and they are all old, old people. Most of the people that come to visit are old people. Young people don't want to to work in the farms. So we have a big challenge there. And well, I think with those two things, technology and, and purpose, we can get them back to the farm.
0: Thank you. Yes, already we've had a question about um the challenges around keeping younger younger people involved. We can perhaps come back to that in more detail a little bit later on, but thank you. Um, in terms of soil health, are you then um investigating and moving into using regenerative agriculture techniques? This, regenerative agri is a, a seems to be a big buzz uh, buzzword at the moment, a big big um one of the big things in, in agriculture. Is that something that you're looking at on your farm?
1: Yes, we uh, we are trying to use less inputs, external inputs. We try to use less herbicides, less fertilizer. And well, we're we, 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 we trying to get healthier soil so that the, the soil will make that happen and made us less dependent on external inputs because as uh, they say, inputs this year, the combination is the worst because inputs are very high, very high prices and and well here we have a drought we are we are, a, are um, about to lose our winter crops it's been very dry and we will probably harvest zero wheat and zero barley and it's uh, and we have to plant the the summer crops and there's no moisture at all and the weather is not looking good for for for, for, for more. no it's very sure. challenging year this one yeah no i i understood um, okay, well,
0: thank you, George. We'll come back to some of that um, as we go. Kuli uh, Francis, what are you? What are the priorities for you right now?
2: The priorities for me right now is that uh, I want to continue working on the soil health because uh, I know that's one way that we will continue supporting the coffee to become become more resilient. The situation is that is come coming erratic now, and also. We are also working as a cooperative union. We brought on board a niche to do with training the young people on the segments of the coffee value chain. So we brought in a a, a level of uh, students who can come in as interns. And uh, we are saying three months to six months, you can stay at the cooperative and do different pieces of work. Uh, alongside the coffee valley chain this is going to be our biggest priority and uh, right now as a cooperative we are already having uh, uh, five interns and uh, we think the number has to increase and you know the challenge is that the youth as they said by george they don't want to go and work on the farm uh, but we think if they can work on different segments on the on the value chain of coffee, then that can, can bring them understanding on how they can promote the coffee. We have introduced a, a system of training young people how to transport coffee from different sections, from the primary society, from the washing station to the cooperative union, because our terrain is different. We rely on women carrying coffee at the back. So we're saying now, why don't we train the young people to carry coffee on motorbikes? So this is going on and we have them registered. The farmer can call and say, I have so many cages. They're going to the store. A youth will come and pick and has a registration number. So the other area we are trying to look at now is the possibility of of uh, increasing on uh, the coffee tree sheds on the farm. We think this is going to help on the issues of uh, farm resilience.
0: Okay, well, thank you. That's really interesting um, uh, priorities there for sure. And again, bringing parallels to some of the challenges uh, that George was facing in Argentina with, with you there um, in, in Uganda. have uh, let's turn to you then. Um, what are your priorities uh, looking forwards?
3: Okay, the priority, um, contraction farming to get assured marketing crop we produce. Uh, the, the second priority, collective selling through aggregation with help of Iringa farmers' cooperative union. The third, bag purchase in, of input through Iringa farmers. Cooperative union will help farmers to assess, to access input to low prices, uh, com- compare the result prices, conduction, soil testing of, 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 our, of our field to determine the amount of soil or the amount of nutrition needed. Uh, lime application in case high level of soil. Australia cdk is found in Furde. Thank you.
0: Great. No, thank you. Let me uh, turn to. We have some great questions coming in from our audience. Let's um, turn to some of them. Um, in particular, let's talk first around uh, the issue of our young people, something that's come up a lot already, and several people uh, mentioned it on the, on the questions. So, um, George, do you have any further? Reasons. are any further thoughts as to why uh, young people are not attracted to farming um is it down to the lifestyle is it down to income is it down to just lack not wishing to have that sort of outdoor type lifestyle what what do you think of the reasons that it's unattractive
1: yes i think there are several things Um, first here in argentina we have a problem of infrastructure because we have dirt roads you don't have connectivity. you some some places you can even talk by a cell phone. so that that makes people don't want to go there and also when they have kids, they maybe can take them to school. they are isolated. And I think that it's a big reason um, also because I think there are another chances. the world is changing and well technology is showing them a, a big, big opportunity. And so that's why we, I think we have to adopt the latest technology and add, add value with technology to, to get them involved in farming. And I, I think the, that having a purpose on being part of the solution to the carbon sequestration and climate change, that is, that is a chance we have to, to keep the children farming because we have a role to play there. And I think that is a good motivation for them. That's a very good point. Yes, sorry. If we attract talent to the farms, because most of the people here live around Buenos Aires, we are also doing like a startup. We went to Israel to see how how the startup community works. And we are trying to attract talent to our cities. And there's a better way of living. I think they can, it's cheaper and they can work remote nowadays. So we are trying to attract talent and, and be attractive. We have to build attractive companies for the kids. We, we have to solve that. We are on that way.
0: Well, thank you. I, I, I like, I thought it was a really interesting point around um, engaging young people around the, trying to solve the climate change issues. I mean, you, you've, you've all mentioned how changing climate and, and, and drought uh, has been is impacting your farms, and but certainly younger people worldwide are really engaged around the climate change issue. So if that's a way to attract them back into agriculture, that's a, that's a good thing for sure. um Coolie Francis, perhaps you can talk a little bit more about why you think in your uh, in in Uganda um that farming has become unattractive. Is it the same sort of reasons? Is it the income, an attractive lifestyle? Is it is it or is there anything else that uh, has made farming unattractive to younger people?
2: Well, uh, in my opinion, for the young people in Uganda, also considering that Uganda now has a, the biggest percentage of population are the youth, and we are currently relying on uh, agriculture. Well, to me, in my opinion, there are about three, uh, three issues to look at. One is that uh, of course, Uganda is relying on agriculture for its income. And uh, from behind around 80% of the farmers, the, of people in Uganda, uh, really, they get their, their livelihood from agriculture. So the young people are trying not to work into agriculture for only two, two three reasons, according to me. One, they think agriculture is a hectic job to do. And these are the people want to see money in their pockets in the short possible time. During the time of uh, uh, education, formal education in Uganda, agriculture in Uganda was taken as one way to do punishments. So the attitude to agriculture was actually spoiled from the educational point of view. So we need to find a way to turn that. And I agree with George that uh, uh, technology has to improve because in Uganda, we are still, farmers, are, most of them are still using a hand So how much, how much do you do with a hand So we need to look at the technology, we need to look at small machinery where young people can play around on their farm and then work is done. Uh, in addition to that, we also need to give examples of what other young people in the other areas have, uh, have been able to succeed with. What have they done, how, how have they, where are the models? The role models would be a very key point. So those are the issues around the young people in Uganda, but we are trying to change this.
0: And have you got, have you had it, do you have any evidence of what specifically can work any evidence of, of what it is that does engage young, younger people
2: well yes there are some areas where this can work. If I go slowly and look at our cooperative union when we started bringing young people on board as interns we then we could ask them where do you think you can play your own? Uh, you, you can you can bring your skill into the union. Someone will say, "Yes, I want to do work on the machine that is holding the coffee." Said, "Fine. Do you have the professional skill?" Said, "No, I don't have." So what do we do for you? So it becomes a challenge. So, so "Okay, those who who can work in the area of bagging and sorting and look at quality, they will be available. Who wants to work in the coffee lab?" Yes, that one I can be able to do. So those are the kind of areas where we think the young people want to put their energies. And we are trying to do that. And we see them getting interested. Right now in Uganda, riding motorcycle for transport is a business. So when we begin registering young people in the crop season who are interested to transport coffee at different levels, they are available. And they are happy to do it, and they earn money by the end of the day, so that we see this as uh, a success
0: okay, well, thank you very much. so I guess demonstrating that there's more to farming than perhaps they might think, and that there are options and different different types of of, of jobs that need done within agriculture as a whole, and that then engages them a little bit more um, in, in in the potential of agriculture for for our right. future um, yeah. okay well, thank you um Ashur, Ashur, is that something that you see in, in Tanzania as well? Then, the you know, young people not very currently engaged with agriculture, and and if that's the case, how do you engage them?
3: Yes. Okay, young people need results. first. Agriculture pay slowly. Training a business mind to uh to the apply in agriculture will help to attract uh, them. Example heading crop after harvest because at, at at harvest play alone
0: thank you okay so i guess is a solution then finding ways in which uh, the money that comes to farms is spread out over the year rather than coming at one particular time is that would that be a solution that would help them, do you think sure interesting so that again is thinking about just and that actually leads into thinking about how or what you need from from your customers perhaps we can come back to that Uh, thanks very much to everyone to your questions um they're coming in thick and fast as you as some of you have spotted you're able to uh to like the questions so if there's a particular question that you want to ensure that our panel uh uh, answer or are asked uh, please do uh, like the uh questions Uh, i see someone's just done that just now so Let's think a bit about on our next question, looking at um, diversification and um, how much that is something that you're doing to enhance uh, livelihoods and to perhaps engage others in in your farm and in, in, in your the farming sector and your cooperatives. Um, George, perhaps you can give us a little bit of background as to what your farm when you, you when we spoke earlier, you told me you, seen, you, you have a lot of crop diversification already, but is that something you've been doing more of?
1: Yes, we we are lucky. We have a, a nice weather and long season, so we can grow crops all year round. And we are trying to imitate nature and have soils working because that's good for soil health. So we need roots and soil activity, worms and uh, well, bacteria and lipids and all, all of them working all year round. That's what we try. We, we also diversify in areas and, and we do a lot of crops in our main farm, but we also move to other areas because well, weather is not the same everywhere. So we can do some other crops. We, we grow some sunflower close to the La Pampa province that it's drier and more sandy soils. And so we, we diversificate. And um, we also have uh, some cattle in the farm. And, and we have a pensionate for polo horses. Uh, and we have around 200 horses in the main farm. Yeah. And so we are very diversified. Sometimes I, I complain about that because my head is widespread. And I think I should focus. But that allows us to have income all year round. And, and well, we are very diversified and that makes us very resilient because it's, it's strange that everything goes wrong. We have a lot of, of chances, no? And, and we think we, we need to put more crops. We, we are depending on some crops and we need to find more. And we are trying to find more crops suitable for like cover crops or to make more intensive rotations. We need, we have to intensify rotations. Make two or three crops a year if we can.
0: Thank you, thank you, Raj. Kuli Francis, diversification for you. You you mentioned your um, your you you're a coffee farmer um, and you're part of your this cooperative. Is diversification of crops something that you're talking about at your cooperative?
2: Yes, diversification is uh, one way that the farmers can be able to increase on their cash income from the farm and also be in position to raise food on their farm. So we, we discuss a lot about diversification and we encourage farmers to do more on diversification. As a cooperative coffee union, we also uh, support some farmers in areas, where they can diversify. Uh, farmers have gone ahead to also install beehives for honey on their farms. And that would be more, they, the bees would do more than honey, more and raise more, more income, and also support on the, on the farm, on the, on the fertilization of the coffee, they coffee flowers. So that's one area, some farmers are already doing that. And uh, beekeeping is part of the projects that the cooperative union is promoting uh, most of our farmers to ensure that they do uh, have coffee under shed we propo- we, pro- we promote growing of some of the fruit trees, and also we promote uh, growing of bananas uh and uh, coffee. So we know that when you have bananas and a coffee, you're also addressing the issue of uh, uh, food security. So that's how we are trying to diversify on the farm and diversify uh, with the coffee farmers.
0: When you're putting in these or, or encouraging uh, fruit trees, obviously there's some time before the fruit will grow and ripen, the tree will grow and produce enough fruit. Do you work together? Or do you? I guess there's two things. First of all, do you work together to buy the trees collectively, and then how do you encourage the farmers to to uh, put in the trees when it will be perhaps some time before they will see any benefit from the trees?
2: Well, right, that's very true. So what's happening is that uh, we work together with the government extension workers, and then we agree with the farmers what kind of trees do they think. beneficial uh, on their farms. So when the farmers come up with the, the appropriate list, we now agree with the government extension workers to look at the dynamics of each kind of tree proposed. Then as a union, we will now scale out scale, scale the list, which kind of trees we get as a union remote to promote after discussing with the extension staff and the owners of the farms. That is how it is being done. So when, when it comes to uh, inter, uh, growing these trees on the coffee farms, we consider different factors. The spacing has to be looked into and uh, other
0: factors on like that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, same, same question to you, Ashirafu. Um, what do you think or how do you diversify crops? What are the secrets? And um, is that something that uh, you're encouraging, not only in on your own farm, but also with the the Clinton uh, Development Initiative?
3: We are Im- implementing forestry garden, like okay. e- sunflower and uh, soybeans, and the maize trees.
0: Great, so that's so something that's happening and you recognize the benefits of that. All right, let, let's go back to our, our questions. Thank you again for all your questions. Um, most popular question at the moment is, um, uh, George, I'll come back in a sec, George. Do you want to, yes. do you want to
1: jump in no. there? Yes, just one more thing that I remember while they were talking. We also are trying to diversify by this, make this startup and like investing in some. For example, if you think meat will be replaced and you produce cows, you should buy base, base um, protein-based meat shares of of some company. We we are trying to diversify on that side also. We, we don't have the expertise yet, but we are learning about that and trying to use it as a diversification also. Okay, well, thank you. That's very useful. Thank you Indeed. Um, Back to our question
0: then, and uh, one that's attracting most interest is a question around thinking about outcomes-based payments for farmers, especially around soil carbon gain, soft sequestration, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and our questioner, uh, Stefan asks, is there a pathway worth pursuing to finance regenerative agriculture in that direction? I want to be interested to hear how much that is something that our, our panelists uh, recognize. George, back to you. Do you think that outcomes-based payments are something that um, you are looking at? Is it something you think will make a difference for you?
1: Yes, we, we are in, a, Bayer has a, a, a carbon project and we are involved in that, trying to measure. I think it's very unfair because it's it's uh, incremental and we've been doing no-till and good practices for the last 30 years, so it's very difficult for us to increase. <laughs> when soils are better, you need a lot more effort to increase them very little, no? <laughs> so I think that's unfair, it's very unfair, that's my, my point of view. Um, I think that the, the, yes we will provide ecosystemic services and I believe people have to pay for that and and as, as most of these decisions are long term decisions and the farmers are the weakest part of the chain and I believe companies should accomplish and and, and help farmers because they can't afford long terms like forestation for example I, I think companies should should uh, well, make the decision to, to give them long long-term loans, not only price signals, because that's not enough, because the, the times are different. Long-term decisions and farmers maybe can't afford a year of the decision. So I think we need help from the companies in that area. Also in in papers, because we, we certify our sprayer, and you need to fill a lot of forms and well. Buyer helped us and we have to pay someone to do the. but some farmers are alone and the farmer, they would never do that. It's including that that kind of things. I need we need help also for filling papers, but it looks stupid, but a farmer alone in a farm will, will never do it, no? No, thank you. Um, that's absolutely no, that's very, that's very,
0: very clear. Curie um, Francis, same question to you then to What extent are you looking at outcomes-based payments? Um, our question thinking of thinking about in terms of developing ecosystem services and, and you know financing the regenerative or transition towards more regenerative practices. Is that something that you're looking at in Uganda? Oh, you're on mute. Yes, for our case in Uganda, and
2: specifically in our primary or cooperative union, well, it's something that uh, we are still discussing amongst ourselves, if this could work. But uh, in the long term, farmers here are living on uh, 0.5 to 2 acres. So issues to do with the forestation may not work for this kind of farmers at this level. So we are still discussing this, but the first mind is that uh, companies that would be interested in investing in uh, issues of ecosystems, they could invest more into long-term maybe long-term investment, perhaps reduce the cost of certification because the farmer cost of certification is very high for third parties, or maybe increase on, on uh, have availability of credit financing. That would sustain the cooperative very more. So farmers, farmers, given the knowledge and the skill, they can be able to plant trees that they want on their farms. But investing more into issues of ecosystem, to me, is not a long-lasting investment. Why do you
0: say it's not a long-lasting investment? If we're thinking about Regenerative agriculture, that, that is surely a more of a long-term uh, investment. Um, is, is it that you're not getting, you need long-term, long-term investment from, 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 from buyers? Is that, is that what would help? Yeah, you see, regenerative
2: agriculture would be very fine, but look at a farmer who has one acre. What, what, yeah. number, what number of trees are this farmer going to plant? So farmer, given the knowledge, given the training, sufficient training, farmer should be able to, pro, to, to plant trees and manage them. Okay? The number of trees that he wants on this farm. He can be able to support on his farm. Now, the money that would come in to support this kind of investment would be maybe channeled into credit financing. And then the okay. farm will know, yes, I can reach here, I can have the in finances, I can invest in it for more. I can invest in other issues on the farm. That is my understanding.
0: Sure. Okay, well, thank you. That's very, very very helpful and, and uh, very clear. Um, Ashrafu, let me turn to you. Um, what about um, uh, outcomes-based payments in your context? Is that something that's, that's, that you're looking at in your cooperative and, and is the Clinton Development Initiative looking at that in Tanzania?
3: Uh, I think companies should be designing, providing intervention which involve climate smart agriculture practice and the technology. example, supporting, providing drought tolerant crop, agroforestry, or planting of trees projects are the way to build climate. The resilience community. Uh, providing attract, attractive loans, example, Clinton provided uh, seedling of avocado against soybeans seeds, uh, help farmers' economy, environmental sustainable. Uh, Facilitating contracting farming to get a sure making of crop crop marketing of of crop marketing we provide thank you
0: okay thanks very much um let's talk a bit about uh certification another p- popular question uh, on our on the q a and thanks to everybody who is bringing questions and then also engaging with them um Well, Kuli Francis, I'll turn to you first on this one. Um, Our question is asking about uh, the benefits of certification schemes and how they open markets. You'll see you are part of a certified organic um, cooperative and you also say you're certified fair trade. So why did you go down that route and what what, what benefits have you seen?
2: Right, thank you. Well, uh, the small farmers benefit more from uh, the certification processes on different, on different angles. One is the, the key factor here is the health of the farmer. Well, the farmer will produce a product and definitely the, the activities on the farm will remain keeping the farm healthy because of following the standards that are provided and the farmer is following. And that also brings the farmer to the end result of the premium. And in this case, we are looking at a premium as the second payment to the farmer. So the farm price or the farm get price is already paid upfront to the product. And then at later stage, uh, the farmer will receive the, the premium uh, value of the delivery that was made. Now, this, this, the premium value, of course, comes in on top of the price. So the farmer has that figure that comes into the pocket, in addition to the farm health that has actually been able to handle. So in this case, the farmer is gaining a little more in terms of cash.
0: And I was interested, um, seeing that your, your point around the fact that it can help keep the farm healthy, so it provides that um, that knowledge and skills element that you mentioned earlier. The, that's a, it's a kind of, it's, it's, it, it builds that in, I guess. And, right. and but you also mentioned, of course, that um, the, the the problem is the, the the cost of certification. Is that something then that you look to perhaps to to buyer groups to help farmers in terms of getting themselves certified? that that, that initial cost.
2: Yes, that initial cost, the union uh, was still struggling to meet the initial cost of certification. But it becomes a huge investment. Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Kelly Francis. Uh, George, let me turn to you then. Um, what are your, I mean, quite a different setup that you have in Argentina, as, you, as you've said. What do you think in terms of certification have you looked at certification, and if you have how's that opened markets for you?
1: Yes well I believe in the reward is very little for certification. We do almost all the things that certification is needed, but we don't certificate because I don't find attractive the reward for doing that so we did with the sprayer and because here there's a problem with with spraying. We are close to a to a town, and we don't have to have problem with no one. But during the process, we learned a lot of things, and it's it was worth it. You know, you, they say that you find positive externalities of, of the. So we spray better. The guy who who drives is it, more capacitated. He he does his job best. We feel we are doing the right thing. So. We find a lot of, of good things, but but no one pays us a lot more for spraying. There are very few people who are willing to pay the difference. And I think we, we do a better spray, much better than anyone in, in the area.
0: Is that then, do you think uh, people, again, just aren't paying the fair price for what you're producing, uh, even with the certification, premium isn't sufficient for it to be worth the worth you doing the extra work
1: well that's that's my feeling because uh, i think they want us to do things better but no one's willing to pay for that so i feel it's a little bit unfair and incentives should be better i think farmers are willing to keep their soils that is where they live where what the biggest asset they have and but sometimes they can't. They can't because they can't afford it. They don't have the technology. They don't have the knowledge. So I think companies should help, but more look in the whole. not only with some also prices, as I said, there are a lot of things that can be done and kind of co-work with farmers and, and help them because they have more structure, more skilled people. They have more resources. And I think they need to get involved in some way with the farmers to help them go
0: that way no that's sure. my feeling okay well thanks george ashraf let me turn to you um is certification something that you've looked at
3: okay i think organizing farmers in groups working with the government again agents help farmers to get services at lower cost and a great numbers. Example, Toski. Thank
0: you. Okay, No. thank you very much indeed. Um, right, let's talk a bit about, um, uh, again, something we have covered, and George certainly mentioned a number of times, is, is soil degradation. And um, what do you do to focus on soil health? Um, there are, Samson, our questioner, asks about a biochar. So, um, George, I mean, you you've um, you mentioned soil right at the top of the of the session. So, what are you doing specifically to avoid or uh, addressing soil degradation? Um, no till, perhaps, but apart from no till, um, have you tried and have you tried biochar?
1: Yes, we for for example, we are in no till. We've been the last thirty years no till. We have crop intensification. We use cover crops to provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, shadow for weeds and use less herbicides and then legumes that leave some some nitrogen for the next crop, so we use less nitrogen. Also having crops, well in autumn here it rains quite a lot and if you don't have crops that makes water go out of the soil of the where the roots can can take it and also it leaches some nitrogen so we want to put it again in the system though we we put plants so that they they recycle the nutrients and and more carbon and we have a lot of and we spend a lot of money with the trials we are around 20 farms that we we have a research center and we are working with a scientist biochemistry who's measuring a lot of things under, underground that no one knows a lot about we we've, we've been 15 years supporting that so i think that shows our commitment we are this we are <laughs> we put money we don't speak about it sure um and is
0: it and are you ch- seeing changing attitudes amongst um your peer uh, your peer farmers others involved in agriculture in Argentina has seen the advantage of thinking about soils that perhaps weren't thinking about in the past?
1: I think the trend is that it's going that way. Um, but here the system, most of the agriculture is done on rented land also, and some are yearly contracts. So that unstability also, it doesn't help thinking long term we we have yearly contracts but we try to stay in the farms for we've been in some farms for the last 10-15 years and because that allows you to make the proper rotation when when sometimes you have to do corn and it's not as profitable as soybean and but you need it for the rotation that's a big issue here Um, short term here in argentina everything is short term because Everything changed so fast and no one wants to have a contract of five years because everything can turn around and, well, sure. that doesn't so, help. But, so but I guess I the, so the, we, we are going that sorry. way, yes. Sure, yeah. people are, are willing to do that, but they can't. Most of them, they can't because we have a lot of things in the middle that don't allow them. Sure. So it's incentives are wrong, I
0: guess. Truly, uh, Francis, how much do you recognize that point around the incentives not being right? Um, if you know, incentives need to be right for the addressing soil degradation. To think about things on the longer term. Oh, you're on mute.
2: For the Ugandan smallholder farmers, the advantage is that uh, farmers are working on their own farm, so they are not renting the farm, as as it is for Argentina, as George has said. So it becomes more clear that the farmer who is working on his own farm to actually improve on soil health. Because for a long time, this farmer has not been spraying. So you are only giving extra knowledge to keep the soil more healthier. So the, the other advantage is that the farmers work with have not sprayed at all. So one, the only thing is, what else can they do to keep the farm more healthier? So some of the, the, the practices that George has explained are the same that we also are also using, cover cropping, planting rejuvenous crops on the, on the farm under coffee, and also we do compost making right on the farm. and. Uh, it works very well for these farmers. The only big challenge that we are facing now, farmers who are staying uphill on the slopes, erosion is on the increase.
0: Sure, thank you. Um, and I guess for them, it's ever more important to think about how to retain the soil. Um, yeah. Indeed, good part. Okay, let me put that also then to uh, Ashrafu in, in Tanzania. Um, what are you, how are you approaching the issue of, of soil degradation and what are you doing? Perhaps there's anything else you're doing beyond what we've heard from, from George and from Kule Francis.
3: Okay, yeah. Contraction of soil testing of our field uh, determining the amount of nutrient needs. Uh, crop rotation, uh, growing, growing, living, crop, like soybeans for nitrogen, friction, reducing fertilizer use. Thank you.
0: Okay, thanks very much indeed. Conscious to coming towards the end of our time. And thank you very much to everyone for asking your questions. But I've got a final point I'd like to put to all of our, all of our farmers. Um, and it's this really, what is it you want from everybody else involved in the food uh, Food production system what do you want from people buying your crops and from brands going forward what will what are the things that will help you most um george what, what do you want from the food system to help you
1: well i think i've already talked about things i would like and also the, for example corn for us it's essential in the rotation i, I would love people to find more uses for corn, for example. If anyone finds more use for corn, it would make it profitable and we can put it without having to um, without losing profits. So it, it would make it easier for us to put more corn on the on the system. And um, and, and nothing I think that involving more if if you really are committed with with being solution of the climate change, I think we should work together. They should come closer to the farmers and help them all the way. It's not easy for the farmers. They are the weakest. Well, we are the weakest. We have some scale and we can do it better, but farmers are the weakest part of the chain. They need help.
0: Thank you, no, absolutely. Loud and clear. Uh, Kelly Francis, you were nodding along there. Would you agree with that?
2: Well uh, to me what i think that is most important here is that uh, the business community the, the the investors these are the food companies need also to recognize that smallholder farmers have a value to play on the, on the on the on the food chain well what i want to say is the smallholder farmers need recognition that they are playing a big part on the food chain globally. The large, the large, I would call them the large farmers or the large uh yeah, producers. Well, they can play a big role. They can produce quite a lot at the one time. But now the consumers are there. <laughs> Definitely. So these smallholder farmers, they when they aggregate their produce and goes to to the market, then they have some volume. But now these are the people who are also being challenged by climate. We are being challenged by issues to do with technology. So we need this kind of support. So if the farmers are recognized that they have a role to play, but they have challenges, let them be supported to overcome these key challenges. That's one area. The other area, I think, is We've been we've been talking globally about issues of uh, private public partnership. But we also need to begin to begin talking about other farmers participating in designing and decision making. So in to me, globally, we need to say, can we begin looking at private, public partnership and participation? so that these smallholder farmers can be brought on board. Then when they, are, when they have needs, then they, those who are able, like the like big companies, can support and overcome these needs. That's my contribution.
0: Great, and thank you very much indeed. I Ashraf, the same thing to you. What would you add? What is it you want to hear, or what do you, what do you want from the rest of the food value chain, from buyers and from brands?
3: Okay. Uh, facilitating contract farming uh, to get a sure mar- market of crop we produce. Thank you.
0: Okay, that's, thank you. That's, that's great. Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time, um, so I will have to draw the discussions uh, to a close. Thank you very much to our, our panel for their time and insights today. We'll be in touch with everybody to share the audio and video recordings of the webinar so you can watch again or uh, share with your colleagues. Do head to the Innovation Forum website for more webinars, podcasts and insights, along with details of the upcoming Sustainable Landscapes and Commodities Conference in Amsterdam on 1st and 2nd of November. There are still passes available if you'd like to attend. For now, though, I hope you found the webinar useful. I've been Ian Welsh. Thank you for joining us and goodbye.